0: Well, how's everybody this morning? Hey, we're Good. Good. Everybody's doing okay. All
1: right. <laughs> All
0: right. Let's uh, let's go ahead and uh, get started. Paul, would you pray for us? For the weather, for health, if you want. Our government, we pray for them especially this morning. We'll uh, give them wisdom and how to deal with these issues. Even the br- the dark ones, yeah. Pray for David One for uh minds and dispatch your parts Amen. All right. I want what I want to do today is uh, i I got asked this several times this week. So let me uh let me share this uh Share my screen online. Uh, so there's there was a post this week. Let me see if y'all can see that. Uh, there's a post this week on uh, Facebook uh, that uh, basically says uh, um, that the King James, that the NIV is missing a bunch of verses, right? The NIV, the uh, New American Standard, the ESV—they're missing a bunch of verses, in uh, and they were basically putting uh, quoting verses in the Gospels. Okay, is everybody did everybody see that on Facebook? It was a Shelby's the one that asked. She's not here, so I'm videoing for her. Uh, Shelby, yeah, Shelby was uh, was asking. Had uh, people, several students asking, and so what I wanted to do was uh, was just cover that, uh, before we get to the book of, uh, the book of judges, uh, today. Um, so, uh, so what's going on? Okay. So we've talked about this a little bit, uh, in our, um, in, in Sunday school class, but I want to flesh it out for you. Um, uh, you mute, you muted yourself, David. David, we can't hear you. There we go. Okay. Um, the King James, uh, let's start with the, with the Old Testament, okay? And then we'll get to the New Testament because the New Testament is really where all your differences are and all your issues are. Uh, so in the Old Testament, whatever version, translation you have in the Old Testament, uh, your Old Testament has translated uh, this. This is uh, the Leningrad Codex, okay? It's a, it's a copy of the Leningrad Codex. Um, it, uh, it looks like this inside, okay? It's, uh, it's Hebrew text. Um, on, the, uh, on the sides and across the bottom, not the very bottom, but across the bottom, these are uh, scribal um, notes, okay? Uh, We call it the Masoretic text because it was copied by the Masoretes, okay? Um, uh, The Masoretes were basically, they were copyists. Before the printing press, the way that the Bible uh, got uh, copied was by hand, okay? And so the Masoretes uh, copied, hand by uh, by hand uh, line by line uh, and they would count the number of letters in a book to make sure that they had the correct uh, you know number of letters okay they would actually count from the beginning to the middle and from the back to the middle and they'd make sure that the, the correct letter was in the middle okay and so Uh, So this is how they made, one of the ways they made sure that the text was accurate. They committed themselves to copying what was actually on the page. Now, here's the problem. Uh, What was actually on the papyrus in front of them or on the script in front of them wasn't always correct, and they knew it, okay? And so that's why the, the scribes would make these notes on the side and on the bottom. Hey, this isn't what it says, but we're just copying what's on right here in front of us, okay? So they weren't allowed to just go in there and change stuff. Does that make sense? Okay. They knew there were errors, trans, uh, you know, copyist errors that had been made in the past, but they were being faithful to copy what was in front of them. Okay. At the bottom, down here on the bottom, this is uh, a later work. Okay. What this does is this goes and compares, because this is one text. It is, it is the Leningrad Grad Codex is one manuscript. It's one text. Okay among many. It's the oldest complete Hebrew manuscript we have today. Um, It dates to, this manuscript dates to 1008 A.D. Um, uh, We saw a copy of it when we were in uh, in Israel. Um, uh, There was the Aleppo Codex which predated this by about fifty years, it was nine forty A.D. Okay, keep that in mind, A.D. Remember that that the Old Testament was basically done being written five hundred B.C. And so there's a fourteen hundred year gap between the last writing of the Old Testament and our oldest Hebrew manuscript. Okay. Uh, so the Septuagint—that's why the Septuagint is so important. The Septuagint is uh, the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible. This dates to, let's just say, I mean, they're, they're, the books all date to different. The Old Testament books, each individual book dates differently. Let's say generally 200 BC. That's a, that's a good number to work with. Okay? So, so the, the Septuagint takes us about uh, you know 900 years closer to, or 1,100 years closer uh, to the original. It gets us within 400 years. Everybody tracking so far? Uh, so what this bottom part does is it uh, goes and not only compares Hebrew manuscripts that we have with the Septuagint, which is older, but it also uh, takes into consideration uh, the older Hebrew manuscript, which was the 946 Aleppo Codex, and uh, Aramaic Targumim. the Aramaic is older, um, and the Dead Sea Scrolls. The Dead Sea Scrolls are a huge find. okay? Uh, so there's different sources that we can go to to see what did the Bible say. Um, uh, Samaritan, Pentateuch. Uh, uh, the Aramaic, the Targamin, uh, the uh, Vulgate, although that's not as helpful because it's uh, later, it's in Latin. Um, the Septuagint and the Hebrew text. Everybody good? Every single Old Testament translation, doesn't matter which one, New American Standard, King James, NIV, you know, English or other uh, Spanish translations, they all are translating this manuscript. Okay, and this manuscript, okay, uh, this, this is not the Moses original writings. Is everybody good with that? Okay, <laughs> Moses wrote uh, 1400 BC, okay, uh, this is 1080, so there's 2400 years in between Moses writing and this being copied. And so, when we talk about inspiration and uh, inerrancy of the Bible, we're talking about what Moses actually wrote wrote down, what Paul uh, wrote, what uh, Timothy or, or what uh, uh, what Peter or or James actually, when they put pen to paper, so to speak, what did they actually write? Okay. That's inspired. That's inerrant. The problem is we don't have that. Everybody good with that? So, what we're trying to do is put, uh, gather all the evidence to see what's the most, uh, uh, what did the original say? So, if, if I put something, if I had a grease board up here and I said, hey, everybody copied this down, and it was, you know, you know 250, 300 words, something like that, some of y'all mess it up, okay? Uh, maybe everybody would make an error or two. But when we take all of those into account, you can begin to see uh, what most likely was the original, with a very high level of probability. Does that make sense? Okay. There are errors in this. The Masoretic <laughs> scribes said there were errors in it, and they knew it. Okay. They weren't trying to fix those errors. Your new, te- your Old Testament translation may or may not be trying to fix those errors they may just be saying look we're going to translate what's here and be done with it or we're going to actually do some uh some textual criticism that's what we call it textual criticism uh where we're going to look at not only the, this text but look at the Septuagint. Look at the the, the Aramaic, look at the, you know, and see if they all read the same. If they don't read the same, why don't they read the same? And also go look at Dead Sea Scrolls, that type of thing. Does that make sense? Which is why sometimes there are differences in your translations in the Old Testament. Because, for example, it turns to Deuteronomy uh, 32. Let me show you a a couple couple of places. Let me put... Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 32. uh, um, Deuteronomy 32, verse 8. Okay. Um, uh, In your screen here, we've got all kinds of stuff here. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to... I'm going to get rid of the the, the meme, uh the Vulgate, uh, for now. That will help us gain some screen space. And I want to put up for us um, the uh, the Net Bible notes. So let me find Net Bible notes real quick. Okay. So Deuteronomy thirty-two verse eight. Somebody read what you got. Deuteronomy thirty-two verse eight. What does it say? Let's see it up there. According to the number of the sons of Israel. So, so Paul, you've got New American Standard. Yeah. New American Standard. Uh, who has uh, Who has a different reading? According to the. Sons of Israel is how the New American Standard translates it. By the way, that is uh, the way that the uh, uh, the uh, oh, that is the way that the uh, the Hebrew text reads, right? Uh, but not the Septuagint. The Septuagint does not read that way. The NIV I don't think reads that way. What does the NIV say? NIV, NIV says sons of Israel. Uh, ESV, ESV reads sons of God, okay? ESV reads sons of God. So the uh, so, let me read to you, okay. yeah, the notes, uh, this is a net Bible notes, this is a good summary of what's going on. Uh, the sons of Israel, okay? Perhaps the idea is that Israel was central to, to the Lord's purposes. And all the nations were arranged according to uh, how he distributed uh, how they related to Israel. Okay, that's what some Old Testament scholars used to think. Okay? But a Qumran, Qumran, Qumran. What's Qumran? Dead Sea Scrolls. Dead Sea Scrolls. Yeah. Uh, it's the Dead Sea Scrolls. When we were there in Israel, a Qumran manuscript. Remember those caves that Katie, some of y'all climbed. I don't know, Katie and, uh, Shelby. and Shelby climbed up in. Uh, One of the manuscripts was the Book of Deuteronomy. A scroll was the Book of Deuteronomy. And in that scroll, it did not read Sons of Israel. It read uh, uh, B'nai Elohim, Sons of God. Okay. The the Septuagint in here, uh, if we looked in the Septuagint, it would read Angelo Theo. Angels of God. Okay, so um, let me s- see if I can stop sharing here. Okay, so <laughs> sons of Israel, yeah. angels of God. Right. The Dead Sea Scrolls reads. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So which is it? Um, it's sons of God. It does say sons. I thought he was going to crawl up your bitch's leg. That's okay. Uh, it's the, the original reading was sons of God. Now, sons of God is, uh, depending on where you are in the Bible, it refers to different people. In Deuteronomy 14.1, Moses says to Israel, you are sons of the Lord your God. Okay, Talking about Israel. Uh, in the book of Job, uh, sons of God refers to angels. Uh, uh, so the question is, who's the referent here? Okay. As you continue to read in Deuteronomy chapter thirty-two, it becomes clear that that Israel rejected the Lord, went and served the gods of the nations, served the demons, uh, served, uh, and, and so these nations were set up according to the sons of God, according to to angels, and these angels rebelled against the Lord, and then the nations worshiped these false gods, these angels and uh, And there you have it. does that make sense? okay? Some of your Bible translations are trying to to fi- fix what is in this text. okay Others aren't. There's a big issue in uh, in Samuel uh, about who killed Goliath. It's oh. actually a Samuel oh, yeah. and Chronicles issue, and it's a mess, okay? Um, So if you're reading your Old Testament and you get the Goliath several times, um, and different people killing Goliath, that is an issue in this, in in this Hebrew manuscript. It's not an issue in this, okay? Uh, But since your Bible are translating what's here, and they'll tell you that right at the beginning, say, look, this is what we're doing in our Old Testament translation, we're just translating this, okay? others are trying to fix some things. Does that make sense? That's why the ESV, even though they're following this manuscript, when it comes to places where they know, everybody knows, even the people who copied it knew it was wrong, they're doing some work to fix it. Does that make sense? Everybody good with that? Okay. That shouldn't scare any of us. Uh, this is This is part of what we have to do. In Old Testament studies, this is why in Old Testament Ph.D. Uh, you're going to have to learn Greek and Hebrew uh, and uh, Aramaic and uh, uh, I don't have my Vulgate here and Latin and French and German and Syriac and you know and it just keeps going on and on and on right because we've got a bunch of different sources. New Testament, okay. Is everybody good? To Old Testament, pretty simple. Your King James and your New American Standard will not read very differently in the Old Testament. In fact, your King James will probably be a more faithful translation of what's on the page in the Old Testament, good? Okay, so our little Facebook post that says, you know, the basically it's saying, look, if you're not reading the King James, you're not reading the Bible. Okay. the NIV and ESV has now removed 64,000 words from the Bible from the Bible. And all of those that they're citing are new, are new Testament. Yeah. Okay, they're all New Testament. So we're not talking about any differences in the Old Testament. Everybody good with that? The King James tends to translate more literally than any of the others in the Old Testament. A little hard to read with thou loveth thy neighboreth and all that stuff, but nonetheless. Okay, good? All right, close. So uh, Old Testament, let's get rid of the Old Testament. Okay, we don't, uh, so these are Old Testament. Let's, Go away, do whatever. Okay, now New Testament, a whole different deal. New Testament is a whole different deal. Uh, we have, uh, let me show you this on screen, and I'll show you guys this uh, here. We have uh, about uh, six thousand Greek manuscripts uh, in. Uh, that we know of, that, that uh, these are Greek manuscripts of the New Testament, okay? Uh, we find them, what I'm showing them on screen here, I'll show you, okay, here's a list of the, the, the more major ones. It begins uh, with uh, these, the, the, the earliest, are they named, they numbered them P1, P2, P3, P4, and all that. They date them: third century, fourth century, fifth century, third century, third century, fourth century. Okay, um, these are our oldest, uh, uh, some of our oldest manuscripts. Okay, uh, P fifty-two. Um, let me scroll down here for y'all to see. Uh, P P fifty-two. P fifty-two is second century, early second century. Okay. P52 includes a section of John, John 18, verses 31 through 33, and verses 37 through 38. Okay, so that counts as one of the manuscripts that we have of the 6,000. Some of them are much more substantial. uh, uh, As we go down here, uh, the Alexandrian Codex, uh, Olive here uh this dates to the fourth century. It's pretty much a uh, a complete New Testament okay fourth century complete New Testament okay six thousand of them uh, some of them cover a few verses, some of them cover pretty extensive. Does that make sense? Okay now when we uh, New Testament is a much uh, we have a lot more to work with, so there's more text critical work that can be done. Everybody good so far? Now, uh, some of these manuscripts are very old. Most of the ones that are the oldest were found in Egypt. Why Egypt? And not Mesopotamia. Well, because Dead Sea Scrolls. Do you remember when we went to Qumran? Uh, It's hot, it's dry, and stuff doesn't rot. Okay, you with me? That's Egypt, uh, and so these—the oldest New Testament manuscripts we have—they all come from Egypt. Later manuscripts uh, come from all over. Some in Mesopotamia. Does that make sense? Okay. The King James is following a different translation strategy then the New American Standard, ESV, AS, all the others. Basically, the King James stands alone, okay? What the King James is doing is it is translating what we call the majority text, or the textus receptus, the received text. You with me? What does that mean? Um, The majority text uh, basically says, look, the most attested reading wins, okay? Um, the, uh, you know, and, and so that's, uh, you know, out of these 6,000 manuscripts, if 5,800 of them read one way, that's what we're going with. That's based, that's oversimplification, but that's basically what's going on with it now. But let's say we line up those 6,000 manuscripts, 5,800 of them read this way. We line them up uh, chronologically. And in the first 200, the oldest 200 manuscripts, none of them read the way that the last 5,800 read. Track it along, and then you go, oh, right here, this this was introduced, this was added, and then every text after that includes that. That Remember, we're trying to get back to the original. So what the New American Standard, ESV, and all those are saying is the oldest wins, not the most attested. If we've got uh, two manuscripts, one of them's old and one of them's new, and we copy this one 10,000 times, copy the new one 10,000 times, that you can copy it 10 trillion times. Doesn't make it more reliable. Does that that make sense? So what the... uh, This is called the uh, uh, Nestle-Allen, you see that up up at the top there, Nestle-Allen. This is the 27th edition. We're now to the 28th edition. It's gonna have a printed 28. I've got it on my computer. Everything's kind of going computerized, Uh, At the bottom of every page, there's what, uh, again, just like uh, on the uh, the, uh, Hebrew text, there's an apparatus. What this apparatus says is, look, uh, in this manuscript it reads this, but the rest of them it doesn't read that. And so it's, it's making notes of every single time there is a variance in the text. And then, people like Bruce Metzger, who's, uh, he's now passed away. Uh, I believe he's passed away, I think I heard that. He is the, the scholar in textual criticism. Um, Now, Dan Wallace, who actually, Dan's at the seminary. Uh, We work together, Dan has probably kind of taken Bruce's place as the the authority, and uh, in fact, he's got a ministry. That's all he does, is he goes around and finds he's like Indiana Jones, right? He goes around. I don't know if he wears the hat, but he goes around and he finds Greek manuscripts and he photocopies them, makes digital digitized copies of them, so that scholars around the world can look and compare. Everybody tracking. So when uh, someone says, well, the King James has, you know, you know, 46 verses that none of the others have, well, those were things that were added later, okay? Now, this book here, what is this book? This book is, uh, uh, it's, uh, we, we have the Synoptic Gospels, okay? And we've been talking about the Synoptic Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the Synoptic Gospels they contain a lot of exactly the same material, I mean word for word, okay? Uh, And so what this does is it puts Matthew and Mark and Luke in columns and it shows you where the wording is exactly the same and where it's not exactly the same, or where there's variance, okay? So some of the verses that they're quoting, uh, this isn't in Luke. Well, it's not in Luke. It wasn't in the original gospel of Luke. It was in Mark, okay? And so what, uh, somewhere along the line, someone took what was written in Mark, and, you know, it was word for word in Matthew, word for word in Mark, and word for word in Luke, but then where Matthew, Mark, and Luke stopped being word for word, they, they continued to bring it in. They brought it in from Mark and added it to Matthew, added it to Luke. Does that make sense? It wasn't originally it's 11 in o'clock. Luke. Because it didn't fit Luke's purposes for why he was writing, it does fit Mark's purposes, so it was included. That's most of the what's at variance between the King James and the NAS. Okay, uh, not that it's not biblical. Uh, for example, King James would have the additions. Okay, so it's, you're reading along in Matthew, Mark, and Luke; they all read the same, but then where they. Mark says, okay, or Luke, usually it's Matthew and Luke say, okay, we're done here. Uh, I'm not, I don't need to tell you that. Um, the the, The copyists of Matthew and Luke continue to include it. You with me? So there's a debate about which of the three synoptics was first. Nobody argues that Luke was first. Okay. Then the debate is, is Matthew or Mark the first of the synoptic gospels? And that 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 gospel serves as a source for the others. Luke even tells us that uh, that he uh, he uh, gathered information to write his gospel. Everybody, is that making sense? Okay. So uh, this claim that um, uh, that uh, this the King James includes verses and everybody else doesn't because they're a bunch of liberal wackos. No, that's not it. In fact, the liberal would be the one who's adding uh, words to the Bible, okay? Now, there's one other giant source, and it's huge, that we can go to. And it's the, uh, uh, I, I didn't want to bring the whole set. I've got a set of, uh, of apostolic fathers. Uh, the church fathers, like Tim today, he's quoting scripture all the time, right? Okay, When they quote scripture, Uh, That gives us another uh, example, uh, witness of what that text actually said. They're quoting something. Are they paraphrasing? Are they quoting? Does that make sense? And so then we can go to 20,000, 30,000 something uh, manuscripts or more uh, where the church fathers are quoted. And there are people who do this, all in an effort to try to give you, in your little hands, the Bible. translated into your language as best as they can. There is a whole arm of scholars, and this is what they're doing. They're trying to get you uh, something that you can read, uh, translated into your language in your everyday uh, vernacular so that you can understand the Scriptures. You're not reading the Bible when you read your translation just like you're not reading the Bible when you read P52, the earliest manuscript that we have, and it's only a few verses. Why aren't you reading the Bible? Uh, because John, that's, John didn't put his pen to that piece of paper. Are you with me? Uh, the autographa, the original writings, which we don't have, these are the scriptures. These are inerrant and inspired. So it takes a lot of work to try to uh, uh, ensure that what we are saying we're reading is in fact what we're reading. And we got a lot of textual evidence, much more and much earlier than anything else. Does that make sense? Everybody tracking? Is that good? So, you know, so in the new, so in the, Who the, uh, asked me this week about a new t- uh, translation Bible. Tyler oh, Tyler. Me. Tyler was uh, asking me, what uh, mm-hmm. what Bible would you recommend? And I said, well, it depends. Depends on what? Well, it depends on whether you're talking about Old Testament or New Testament. Old Testament, I would favor the King James. New Testament, I wouldn't. All Right? so I'd take your Old Testament King James, because they're more faithful and there's some of their translations. I'd take that. But New Testament, I'd go, so, okay, so what if you got to do both? Uh, probably... Maybe ESV, although the committee, the translation committee for the ESV tends to be more amillennial, right? And so they're going to they're, there's an, there's more interpretation in their translation. So I told him probably New American Standard. That was that was good as we can do. Does that, does that make sense? So when you you have an NIV, New American Standard, or King James, and they're reading differently, just know there's something going on, right? Behind the the scenes and English Standard Standard Version. uh, That's a more recent uh, translation. You've got Holman who came out with a translation. Um, Translations are huge money, they are giant money, Um, which is why they don't give them away for free. Uh, The Net Bible, uh, new English translation, uh, was done by. Dallas faculty members are uh, not a big fan of it um, for its translation. But if you get a net Bible or you access it online, the notes, it, it takes all of these textual issues and puts them in plain English for you. And so that's very helpful. So hey, this is what's going on. This isn't included in this passage, but it is here, that's why we left it out. Uh, so just as a quick note, all the verses that that Facebook post referenced, all mine that I checked, they're all in brackets in they're, my Bible, and they have an explanation. They're in brackets. Yeah. They're usually uh, an explanation. But but remember, your editor is adding that, and they may choose not to add it, okay? So brackets are saying this isn't... Uh... Like they're trying to trick you or... No, no. Uh, there are two places, just on that note, there are two places in your New Testament where there are passages, not just a verse or wording, but passages uh, that are questioned as to whether or or not they are in the Bible, okay? Uh, The first uh, is uh, the end of the book of Mark, okay? So when we go to the book of Mark, the question is where does the book end? Let me uh, show that. to uh, to y'all, let's see here. Mark 16. Uh, The question is whether or not uh, the book ends after verse eight or does it go all the way to the end? Or there's a third reading. Some of them, uh, I think it's uh, verses. Uh, yeah, some some uh, manuscripts after verse eight include what they're calling verse twenty-one. I think. And they went and reported to all uh, the instructions to Peter and the you know. So, so is there the short ending or the long ending? None of the oldest manuscripts, not a single one, includes the long ending. None of them do. Um, well, these, this would be uh, uh, Alexandria. Uh, so what they call Olive and A. These are kind of the, the these aren't just parts. But these are the whole manuscripts of the of the New Testament. They don't include it. Um, none of the oldest manuscripts include uh, that reading. Okay. Why does that matter? Uh, because some churches put a lot of uh, uh, a lot of weight on some of the doctrines they teach out of that passage. Like, if you believe and are baptized, you will be saved. Okay. So. You're not just saved because you believe, but you have to be believed and be baptized to be saved. Okay, so that's a Church of Christ teaching. They put a lot of emphasis on Mark chapter 16. Uh, others, uh, you know, one of the evidences of true faith in Mark 16 uh, was that you would uh, they could play with uh, snakes and not get hurt. Okay? Knock yourself out. I'm chopping their heads off. <laughs> Um, But, you know, but, but again, okay, so that's one of the passages. The other passage is John chapter, it actually begins, it's the last verse of chapter 7. John chapter 7, down through, what is it, 8, 10, or 11. uh, the, The story of the adulterous woman, the woman caught in adultery, that is not, in many, uh, it, it's 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 not in the oldest manuscripts. In that spot, this story floats around. Interestingly, in uh, in the in the Gospels, some manuscripts include it in different places. So it's questionable as to whether or not that story belongs in the Gospel of John. Uh, remember, I was telling you that. Uh, Uh, that uh, my buddy there at the seminary, Dan Wallace, uh, he refers to that passage as, how does he say it? uh, His favorite passage, his, his favorite story of Jesus that isn't in the Bible. So he's convinced that it happened. It just wasn't in the Gospel of John to start with. I'm not I think that it probably was in the Gospel of John, but nonetheless uh, that that's just part of what we're uh, what we're talking about here. Does that make sense, okay so uh, we have never said uh, the church has never believed that inspiration is in your new living translation or in the Eugene Peterson's the message right, I'm going to are the most ridiculous translations, the the most loose translations to make the point. Um, Inspiration is not in Klingler's translation. We know Klingler's an idiot and he probably is going to mess it up anyway. Inspiration in the church and inerrancy has always been in the autography, which we don't have. Therefore, it has always been incumbent upon the church Uh, and some in the church to continue to pursue uh, the autograph. Try to find out what did the original authors write when they wrote it. Does that make sense? So a lot of those books that I have in my office, if you ever go there and look, a lot of it's dealing with this type of stuff. It's so far down into the minutia, it's probably not important. uh, As important, unless until it becomes important to you and you have a question. But for someone to post and say, well, the King James is right and everybody else is a bunch of liberal wackos who are destroying the Bible, that's just an idiot. Uh, It's just people who, bless their heart, they're uninformed. They don't know what they don't know. And there's a lot of that going on these days, isn't there? Um, As um, in seminary, and then we'll get back to, to, I guess, to, to, uh, yeah, we're running out of time, but. Um, One of the things that's happened, I think, to our culture, and it's happened to us in the seminary, it's happened in the medical field, it's happened, um, uh, we have become specialists at the expense of being a generalist, okay? Uh, And so we've, one of our professors used to say it this way, education is the process of learning more and more about less and less. When you start the education process, you start in kindergarten, okay, you're going to, we're going to learn to, to spell because that helps us all, you know, helps you, helps us, we can communicate. You're going to learn to read, you're going to do a little bit of math, you know, you know, second, third, fourth grade, fifth grade, right? These are general things that benefit you, but it also benefits the culture that you know of. Does that make sense? As we continue to study, we learn more and more about less and less. Uh, we become specialists. And the professor said, till you learn everything there is to know about nothing. So you start by learning uh, a little about a lot for the benefit of all, and you end your studies, you go on to a PhD, learning everything there is to know about nothing for the benefit of no one. All right, and and so we become specialists, uh, but specialty only matters it's only relevant when it is situated in general understanding. Okay? I think the medical field is finding this out. You know, you get some guy that knows everything there is to know about this one little thing, this one little gland or, or whatever it is, has no idea how that relates to anything else in the, in the body. And it creates a wreck when he goes in there and starts messing with stuff because it's all interrelated. Okay. Same thing with biblical studies, same thing in life. Okay? Um, a renaissance man or used to be someone who was knew a lot about everything and could think through. We don't have that anymore in our culture. Um, uh, And coming to the seminary, we got a bunch of people who don't know anything about anything. And they want to shorten their seminary training so that they leave, not knowing anything about anything and then go destroy the church, which is just wonderful. It's going so well for us. Um, So, so all, all that to say, um, if you're if you're reading your King James and you've got a King James New Testament, a New Testament, that's great, right? If it says some things, it's never anything big, okay? Jesus Christ versus Jesus Christ our Lord or something like that. It's never anything big. And it's not anything that you wouldn't find in another gospel. Don't worry about it. The problem with that, though, is... It's not in another gospel for a reason. The author is trying to tell you something specific. He's including the things that are only relevant to his point, his purpose. So I tell my students uh, this. uh, I use the illustration. Let's say I'm driving down old 290 and I see a car wreck. Well, uh, there's a lot of details in that car wreck. Couple days later, uh, I'm uh, driving in the rain. They were driving my my, one of my son's cars as the tires are bald. I said, "You know, we need to get these fixed because the other day I was going down 290 and I saw a a major wreck because this guy hydroplaned. So we need to get our tires fixed." So hydroplaning on bald tires was an issue. A few days later, um, talking to someone else, and they're texting while they're driving. I say, yeah, I saw uh, this wreck the other day. It was caused by that. Someone was texting while they're driving. Am I talking about the same thing? Yeah, I'm talking about the same thing. Well, why didn't you include the the hydroplane? Because it it was irrelevant to the point I was making. Okay. You know, what was was happening is these two cars are driving, it's raining, and one guy's texting, and he starts to swerve, and he swerves into the lane of the other guy. The other guy's got bald tires. He tries to avoid. He loses control, and there's this giant giant wreck. Uh, I didn't need to tell every detail. No good storyteller tells every detail of the story. It's boring as can be. Right? You only tell the parts of the story that are relevant to make your point. And that's what the gospel uh, uh, writers are doing. And if you start to include things that they didn't intend to be included, you're going to start to see points being made that they weren't making. Okay, you're adding to the text, and that's liberalism. Does that make sense? Any questions about that? Everybody tracking along? So students inevitably students will ask, uh, okay, so which New Testament or, or which Bible do you do? You, you recommend? So none of them. All of them. None of them. I don't know. What verse are we talking about? What passage are we talking about? I recommend that you learn Greek and Hebrew. And then I recommend that you learn the apparatus on Greek and Hebrew. I mean, if, if you really want to know, because what you're asking, what what is the most accurate Bible? Okay. Um, start here. This is the New American, uh, uh, this is the Nestle in 27th edition. This will get you pretty close in the New Testament. Okay? But then learn to use this apparatus, reading the Greek text, use the apparatus so that you will know all the issues involved with what's going on in this text so that you can know what's the most accurate. If you don't like that, and they go, well, I don't like that. Anymore. I want an easy answer. But there are no easy, there aren't any easy answers. Um, but this is the things. these are the things we used to teach at seminary. Unfortunately, we're not teaching them anymore. It's going to go away. Why is it going to go away? Because nobody wants to study. Nobody wants to actually learn the Bible. Uh, People want to go there and, uh, you know, spend a couple years and feel better about themselves and then go tell people about Jesus. And, And there's a place for that. But there better be a place for us to learn the Bible, to study the Bible, to know the Bible. Know what? Does that make sense? So anyway, so enough of that uh, that sermon. But um, but hopefully uh, this this helps you. If if you have any uh, questions, oh ever any questions, ask. Right? Um, I spent twenty something years learning little peddly stuff. Uh, that may be relevant at some point, and I've got all. I got a whole library over there that you're welcome to go knock yourself out for, uh, with as well, okay? Good. So hopefully, Shelby, that answers your question. Yep, question. Yep. How big of a problem is it for the church that we don't have uh, the original? Uh, no, um, no religion has their original writings okay? um, the the level of attestation that we have, particularly in the New Testament, is so far beyond anything else uh, that we uh, that we have okay? and all of the background information that was went into the discussion it's it's really a lot like our uh uh constitution federalist papers and all of, so, so you hear the thoughts of everything that's going into the writing of the founding fathers uh, that's really the closest uh, thing that we have uh, we have the old testament prophets and we have those writings uh not the originals uh, but when when people are in the old testament quoting other people it becomes pretty pretty clear uh, what that is. So, yeah, I wouldn't say it's any uh, problem, but it does take some effort um, in the body of Christ to learn what was most likely the original. Uh, brief, brief uh, uh, illustration of a huge problem. This is a quote, huge problem in the New Testament. It turns to Romans 5 1. This, I'll just take. Two or three minutes. Who says it's a huge problem? Everybody. This is, on the, on, in the categories of small problems versus huge problems in the New Testament, this is the huge problem. So what I'm doing is I want to give you a feel for how big of a problem these problems actually are, okay? Um, in the Greek, in uh, Romans 5, 1, um, is it ekomen or echomen? Huh? Is it a long O that would be a W looking thing in the text or a short O, which would be an O, okay? Why does that matter? Because one would be uh, translated, let us have peace. That would be a short O. The long O would say, we have peace, therefore we have peace. So is it we have peace or let us have peace? That's as big as the problems get in the New Testament. That's pretty small. Okay. Either way, if you are a believer in Christ, you have peace. Therefore, chapter 8, verse 1, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So whether he's saying let us have or we have um, is irrelevant. Now, um, if you go to the end, go to the very end of Romans, all the way, chapter 16, go to the end. Wrote Romans. Go to the end and read it. Tertius wrote Romans. Paul didn't write Romans. How do we know Paul didn't write Romans? Because Tertius said, I Tertius wrote this, and Paul, so Tertius, so Paul was dictating, and Tertius was writing. Call him a mensus, right? He's 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 uh he's he's writing while Paul's speaking. Okay. Everybody with me? So this raises a very interesting question. What did Tertius write? And did Tertius write what Paul meant? Maybe Paul meant W, long O, and Tertius wrote short O. That seems to be what has happened, because our oldest uh, manuscripts short of, but the context supports a longer. Therefore, we have peace. Right? You with me? So these are some of the, that's a big question. <laughs> it's not a big question. Either way, we have peace with, with, uh, with God, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through faith, uh, in, and we stand in this faith in which we've been introduced. So, your New Testament is uh, the, the 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 issues are next to nothing. So hopefully that that helps you. Uh, New Testament next to nothing. Old Testament bigger, but Old Testament is story. Right, where New Testament there's precise theological points being made. Old Testament is storytelling and. Uh, so uh, I remember what I was supposed to, I think I was supposed, we were supposed to talk about why do I believe in inspiration. Is that it? I think that was it. Next week, if we remember, uh, as we come back to the book of Judges, uh, I will show you. Okay, so everybody, here's our assignment. Remind me, because I can't remember, I could write it down, and I'd forget where I wrote it down. All right, and I would forget that I wrote it down. And then I'd lose it three seconds after I wrote it down. So, right? Truth. All truth, Very true. Okay. So remind me next week of why I uh, believe the Bible's inspired. And um, remind me of Judges 19 and Genesis 19. Okay? Judges 19 and Genesis 19.